Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to this episode of the Mia's Mentorship Podcast. Today, it is going to just be me. I'm going to be telling you about what they don't want you to know about sugar. We're going to talk about who they are and what the truth really is. So without further ado, let's get started. So who are they when we talk about the food industry? These are the billionaires that are behind the brands, behind the brands. So there are about like 10 companies that own all of the other companies. So for example, Kellogg's owns Pop-Tarts and Pringles and Nutribrain and about 50 other brands. And then General Mills owns Fiber One, Cocoa Puffs, Yoplait, Fruit by the Foot and more. So these, along with others, are the people that run the production, the processing, the packaging, and the distribution of food products. So this includes like farmers, manufacturers, processors, distributors, retailers, marketers, and then various other stakeholders that contribute to the overall supply chain of food. Now, the food industry plays a significant role in shaping the availability the accessibility and the composition of the food products in the market. Now, this is really important to understand because they're basically in control of everything. And so they are the ones who put the foods on the shelves and they make arguments for why they put so much sugar, so much seed oils, or so much refined carbs in these products. And you can't really fight them because they're so big. Like there are people who have tried to fight them and say like, hey, you basically know, know you're poisoning everyone, like this isn't right. And they claim, oh, well, everyone loves it. That's why we keep putting it out. But the only reason everyone loves it is because they're addicted to it. You know, if you actually changed the ingredients, then people would be healthier. But let's talk about if we know that sugar and refined carbs and seed oils and all this are bad for us, then why are we so attracted to it? Now, what I'm about to say, I got from Dr. Stephen Gynette, so I'm giving him the credit. So our brain is naturally inclined to prefer certain food properties. This includes fat, sugar, salt, protein, and starch. These properties were crucial for the survival of our ancestors because they the motivation to acquire these calories was important when they struggled to obtain enough food. However, in our modern world, this preference becomes a liability because we are just overwhelmed with excessive calories. It's not a matter of calorie or taste. It turns out that these food properties can be just as detrimental as alcohol or drugs. Now, when you consume carbohydrates, fat, sugar, or salt, a signal is sent to your brain triggering the release of dopamine. While dopamine is often referred to as the pleasure chemical, it's actually a chemical that motivates and facilitates learning. So when dopamine is released in your brain, it signals that the food you consumed is highly enjoyable. And then your brain memorizes its properties, such as the appearance, the smell, and the taste. So then this leads to you wanting to seek out similar foods in the future. 
Now, in an urban environment, you are constantly exposed to these food cues, including enticing smells and sights. And when these cues surpass a certain threshold, this can be referred to as addiction. Now, it's still a subject of controversy whether food addiction exists clinically. But if you look around, there's no doubt that people exhibit an addiction-like relationship with food. And it's not celery and lentils that people are addicted to. It's foods that are a calorie-dense combination of properties that the brain seeks. And these properties trigger the release of dopamine in the brain. The term comfort food exists for a reason, because these certain types of foods genuinely make us feel emotionally better. So when we find ourselves in tough situations, whether it's experiencing stress or sadness, we tend to turn to these comfort foods. But this can lead to overeating and consuming healthy food. So how can we train our brain to no longer crave these foods? Well, we do not have direct control over the release of dopamine, so it's not something you can just turn off. But you can avoid the cues that trigger the spike in dopamine. This means avoiding food advertisements, billboards, tempting smells. And of course, this is really hard in today's society, especially if you live in America or Europe or similar economic country, because it's everywhere. If you go to the mall or if you go to the store, if you go anywhere, really, like just driving, you're going to see fast foods, you're going to see advertisements. So it's something that you can't really avoid the advertisements. And if you want to go to a restaurant, when, you, when you're walking, you're going to pass by a restaurant where you smell the tempting smell. So this is really hard in today's society. But the longer you go without consuming these tempting foods, that's what caused the dopamine to spike, the less motivated you'll be to seek them out. So it will take a good amount of willpower because it's pretty much impossible to avoid the advertisements and the smells and all of that in today's society, unless you just stay in your house all the time or always eat before going out so you're not as tempted. But over time, these cues that... The cues that predict these foods, such as their smell or the sight, they will have less and less power over you when you do not regularly consume them. So now let's talk about what happens to leptin when you consume too much sugar. What is leptin? Leptin is the hormone that controls your appetite and it tells your brain when you're full. So when you eat too much sugar... This can cause leptin resistance. And this is the only, like, other seed oils, for example, or refined carbs don't do this to you. It's just sugar that does this to you, which is why I'm bringing it up. So eating too much sugar causes leptin resistance. And too much sugar for women would be no more than 25 grams or 6 teaspoons. And for men, 36 grams or 9 teaspoons a day. And even that is, like, max. You know, and that's what the AHA recommends and I don't always trust the AHA, so I'm sure you don't, you don't, of course you don't need that much, but I would even go lower than that because they, the AHA likes to, uh, they're just, they're profit over public health in short. So anyways, leptin resistance happens when your body becomes less responsive to leptin. Now this it can occur from eating too much in general. It can, but especially from a eating too much sugary and processed foods. So when you have leptin resistance, your brain is not getting the signal that you're full, which 
then make you feel hungrier and you're more likely to overeat. And then, of course, eating too much sugar causes things like weight gain. And then consuming excess of sugar can raise your insulin levels. And then this disrupts leptin. So it can make it harder to control your appetite and stay at a healthy weight. So it's really crucial to be aware of the amount of sugar that you're taking. We often don't even realize how much sugar we're eating because sugar is being added to everything. Sugar is even in things that we would consider healthy foods like yogurt, Nutri-Grain bars, trail mix, fruit snacks, dips like hummus or sauces and spreads like peanut butter and ketchup, granola bars, smoothies, fruit juices, salad dressings, energy drinks, protein bars, shakes, cereal, sports drinks, like sugar is being added to everything. And we don't realize it. Like we have to make sure that we are looking at nutrition labels because all the things I mentioned, you can find a non-sugary version of, but you have to go out of your way to get it. Like for example, with the trail mix, you're going to have to buy the ingredients and then put them together yourself. Or with the peanut butter and ketchup, you're going to have to go out of your way, maybe even to like a different grocery store or order it online or just get crushed nuts. And like, you have to go out of your way to get these things. And that's the hard part about it because not everyone can do that. But it's good to be aware of this. So when you are able to, you can do that. And there was a study published by the Journal of American Medical Association. And it found that the consumption of fruits, which contain natural sugars, and honey is associated with like a very low risk of developing type 2 diabetes or like high blood sugar issues and things like that. So having natural sugars is good. Having fruits and honey, and honey is actually good for you. It has antioxidant, antibacterial, and anti-inflammatory properties. So these are actually very good for you. But it's the process, the refined sugars that you want to avoid. And there was actually a few weeks ago, I think it was, maybe a month ago, I woke up and I had like a sore throat. My neck was kind of hurting, like, you know, how you feel when you're sick. And I didn't want to take Tylenol because I thought, well, I only want to take Tylenol if I'm really hurting, you know, because it's best to avoid Tylenol if you don't absolutely need it. And so I was thinking, well, what can I do to try to mitigate the effects holistically? So I remembered, oh, honey used to be used as medicine back in the day. So I added honey to my smoothie that day and I took like an hour nap, woke up. My sore throat was gone completely. My neck still kind of hurt, but my sore throat was gone. And I realized that whenever, so I just moved to Florida, whenever I moved to Florida, I stopped eating honey every day. I used to have honey every day because I'd have it with my oatmeal in the morning. And so I had honey every single day. And when I was looking back at it, I did not get sick. Like my husband had gotten sick maybe three times or two or three times like in that year. And I never got sick. And I think it was because of the honey. I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but that's what I'm leaning towards. Because when I moved here, I stopped having honey every day. And like what happened, you know, I 
was getting sick but then I added honey again and now I have been incorporating it every day into my smoothie just a little bit of honey and like it's winter usually winter is when people get sick and I haven't been so and there is studies that show honey is beneficial in those areas and like I said honey used to be used as medicine before our medicine was invented so yeah it's not surprising so yeah, I could talk a lot about sugar, like why sugar has been added to all these things. And there's different reasons. One of those reasons is whenever low fat became a big thing, which was all, again, for profit, which would be another conversation. But when low fat became a big thing, all of the food started tasting bad. And so they're like, okay, well, what do we have to do to make it taste better? Let's add a bunch of sugar. And so that's why sugar was being added to everything along with like high fructose corn syrup. It's not, I mean, which is just another form for sugar, but there are 56 different ways to say sugar, like turbinado, for example, is one or sucralose. Like these are all sugars. And when you look on the back of the nutrition label, just because it doesn't say sugar doesn't mean that there's no sugar in it. And if there's under one gram of added sugar, per serving, then they don't even have to indicate that there's sugar in it. But again, these are things where it's like, realistically, you don't have one serving. So, okay, for example, usually ketchup does show, but let's just say there's like a healthier ketchup, right? So they have in the ingredients, let's just say that they use a term for sugar that most people aren't familiar with. So They'll put that in the ingredients. So when you see in the ingredients, you'll see, oh, there's sugar in it. But if you look only on the label itself, then it'll show less than one gram of sugar, or it might even it might not even indicate that. But the serving size is so small, like realistically, you're actually gonna have four or five times the serving size because you're a normal human being, not a bird. So whenever you are eating the ketchup, you're actually having like four or five grams of added sugar, they didn't even realize you were having. And of course, like that's not that much. That's pretty small. But it's just good to be aware of these things. It's good to be aware that these things are happening because if you have that multiple times a day, like you thought, oh, I didn't have any refined sugar today. But in reality, you had like 10, 15, 20 grams that you didn't even realize were there. So it's just good to be aware of these things. I also want to point out that don't obsess over these things. Like it's okay don't never have sugar. It's okay to have sugar in moderation. But these things, like the leptin issue, leptin resistance, for example, happens when you have way too much sugar, which a lot of people do. And so just making sure that you are limiting your sugar intake to, I would say, to under 25 grams a day for sure, like 100% under that. Look at the foods in your pantry, see like what do you usually eat, see like do the math, take the time because most people have like four times that. Most people have like 100 grams of a tree and they don't even realize it, which is the sad thing. So I think being aware of these things is just really important. If you are going to a dinner and you want dessert, that's okay. You can have dessert, but don't be having sugar every single other day of the week. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, limit it. Choose when you want to have it. Just don't way overdo it. So, 
Yeah, I'm probably going to have to do a part two on this to talk more about the food industry aspect of it. I was talking just more on the health aspect of it today and parts we don't realize. But yeah, I hope that... Oh, if you are interested in working with me, then go to measmentorship.com and you can explore my educational courses or you can apply to work with me one-on-one. For more free content like this, you can go to my Instagram, which is mia.mentorship. And then I also have a blog where I post Monday, Wednesday, Friday. If you didn't know, the podcast comes out on Tuesdays and Fridays. So yeah, keep up for my content. And yep, that's all for today. Hope that y'all have a blessed day.